everybody, this is James. And Marco. And Nabil. And Mikey. And welcome to podcast number 155 of the Movie Pals Podcast. Today, as you guys might have heard, Mikey is on the podcast because he's been a guest on it so goddamn much. We decided, why don't we just add Mikey to the podcast? Because he's a full-fledged pal now, guys. Welcome, He's also holding us hostage right now, so... Yeah, Marco is blinking twice heavily into the screen (laughs) in a panic. Tears rolling down his rosy red cheeks. These aren't hot dogs taped to me. I'm just letting you know right now. And Bill's put his legs behind his neck for some reason. I didn't know it was that flexible, but um, I've been doing a lot of yoga lately. That's yoga flame. I never thought I'd see ankles behind his ears, kind of guy. But I mean, here we are. Save us all. No, but real, real talk. I mean, Mikey goes with me to every movie anyway, so technically he's seen every one of these goddamn movies. It's just a matter of convenience at this point, is what it sounds like. I think it was kind of, but I mean, we used to use a different recording. No one cares, but we used to do a different recording um, thing too, and we couldn't actually have that many people on that one. That's why we only had one guest at a time. Now we have the ability to get a lot more guests so if you ever want technology to go, has again, progressed far in the last four years let us know yeah nabil is correct yeah technology uh you know they have uh smart watches now i heard or something so. <laughs> something like that bluetooth bluetooth yeah red tooth purple tooth i don't know so yep but yeah so mikey is going to be joining us now uh give us some feedback on it i know that with four sometimes it might feel a little crowded but we're going to make some slight adjustments to the podcast uh, we are having a new segment starting not even next week. We're going to just I know we said we're going to announce what's going to be. It's going to be something kind of a smaller section where we're going to be doing movie recommendations. If you guys have been around with us since COVID, it's something like that first. And then we're going to be leading off into something a little bit different after that. But next um, podcast, Nabil will be launching that off on from him from him, actually, directly from Nabil as a recommendation. So stay tuned. Be excited or don't. Maybe it won't be. It's fine. Yeah. We're going to watch those ankles away. Well, I'm excited already. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can see it, Mikey. I, I'm I can see it. my seat. So, uh, if you guys are reading the title, we are actually doing the double feature Barbie and Oppenheimer, which is, you know, media has, media and social media has put it together as Barbenheimer, right? So, we are about a week outside of it. So, I do want to mention that we are just going to be jumping right into spoilers for both movies. I, there's truly not a lot to spoil to these movies at all. Um, nothing that's you know mind-boggling or anything. But in case you haven't seen it uh, or planning to still see these movies, I would say probably come back after you've seen them to listen to our reviews, as we are going to be doing a double feature. So, without further ado, let's jump into our first review, though, for the film Barbie. Hey, Barbie, can I come to your house tonight? Sure. I don't have anything big planned, just a giant blowout party with all the Barbies and plant choreography and a bespoke song. You should stop by. So cool. You can find me under the lights, diamonds under my eyes. This is the best day ever. It is the best day ever. So is yesterday and so is tomorrow and every day from now until forever. Do you guys ever think about dying? When my heart breaks. Some things have been happening that might be related. When my world shakes. Cold shower. Ooh. Falling off my roof. Ah! And my heels are on the ground. <gasps> Blood feet! What do I have to do? You have to go to the real world. 
You can go back to your regular life, or you can know the truth about the universe. The choice is now yours. The first one, the high heel. You have to want to know, okay? Do it again. Closer, I am I'm coming with you. All right. So Barbie sitting at 90% on Rotten Tomatoes. Story for this one goes, Barbie suffers a crisis that leads her to question her world and her existence. Wild. This one's directed by Greta Gerwig, who did Nights and Weekends in 2008, Lady Bird in 2017, and Little Women in 2019. Written also by Greta Gerwig who uh, also wrote Northern Comfort in 2010, and she wrote Frances Ha in 2012, as well as Mistress America in 2015. Additionally, it was written by Noah Baumbach, who did The Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou in 2004, The Squid and the Whale in 2005, Margot at the Wedding in 2007, and While You Were Young in 2014, as well as Marriage Story in 2019. Or what James considers uh, one of the best comedies ever told. I'm just kidding. <laughs> did we review Mary's story? I think we did. We did. Right? We did I think yeah. we did. We talked about yeah. it. That movie's yeah, rough. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, but most of them Noah Baumbach's movies, the ones he's directed to, like The Squid and the Whale, they're fucking rough. So. And yet, you know, he's he's married to Greta Gerwig. They're, uh, they're making the relationship work. So There you go. This must be therapy for him. Absolutely. Get to work with the ones you love. Barbie was released recently on July 21st, 2023, in theaters only. So, sorry, boys and girls, you cannot stream this one. Gotta go out and buy movie tickets. The movie stars Margot Robbie as Barbie, Kate McKinnon as Weird Barbie, Issa Rae as President Barbie, Ryan Gosling as Ken, Simi Liu as Ken number one, Kingsley Ben Adir as Ken number two. America Ferreira as Gloria, Michael Sarah as Alan, Ariana Greenblatt as Sasha or Gloria's daughter, Rhea Perlman as the spirit of Ruth Handler or the co-founder of Mattel, Helen Mirren as the narrator, and Will Ferrell as the CEO of Mattel. So again, we'd like to start with our history with this movie, um, or in this case, our history with Barbie. So uh, let's start with, you know what? Let's start with our newest member here, Mikey. Let's bring him into the fold. Even though he has plenty of experience with this, I want to treat it like it's his first time. What's your experience with Barbie? I see you have a (laughs) a giant Barbie uh, standing right behind you, Mikey. Yeah, I got to get that cardboard cutout, right? (laughs) (laughs) It's it's not a cardboard cutout. (laughs) Just kidding. Something's got up. Uh, yeah, as far as my history with Barbie, I mean, I have two sisters. Uh, so, you know, when they were growing up, obviously they had, you know, Barbie dolls around. Uh, but beyond that, I don't really know a lot of the history. Like, I know, I know the movie like brings up a lot of the, uh, you know, stuff that, you know, failed products and that kind of stuff. I didn't know no. about any of them. So, but yeah, I mean, obviously everybody's heard of a Barbie doll, especially, you know. Did you see any of the commercials um, as a kid growing up? I don't remember any of them. I probably did. Obviously, everybody's probably mm-hmm. seen them if you watch TV back then. But I don't remember any of the, the trailers or commercials or any of the, for their products at all. So, all right, makes sense. Uh, what about you, Nabil? Uh, what's your experience with Barbie? 
remember any of the commercials back in the day or know anybody that owned them? Yeah, you know, I grew up with, with uh, a lot of uh, kids' television. That was my babysitter most of the time. So, <laughs> nice. I, so I've, I've seen quite a few uh, Barbie commercials for sure. Uh, I have younger siblings, um, sisters, and they, you know, they like Barbie dolls. So we had them around the house and Ken dolls and stuff. So definitely some experience with it. Just to me, it's just been a the staple of what a moderate. Well, I guess kind of. I don't know if it's really modern anymore, but you know what a doll is. You know, you mm-hmm. you got that, and um, between that and action figures, and you you play with them both, and they both destroy each other. Barbie is you know like Godzilla, and when I was a kid, and then she would just be over there wrecking everything <laughs> with my, <laughs> my little action figures. So it uh, it you know. It was one. They were all interchangeable to me. So, but yeah. you know, my exposure was a lot of it just from the commercial and the the outfits and the things that they were the the accessories that were selling and everything like that. Um, although I do have for some reason memories of um, the car. She had like her special sports car. My sister yep. really loved that, and she would like drive you know drive that around the house all the time, play with that with her little Barbie doll. So now that that was one thing that I did remember is her her fancy little pink car. Nice. Uh, what about you, James? Oh, I'm sorry. Where am I? BDJ RMC. <laughs> what, what's your experience with uh, with Barbie? I have none. So I mean, I don't. <laughs> I think my sister had some. I don't remember, dude. She's older than me. So by the time I don't, I don't remember really seeing them around the house or anything. So I remember the commercials a lot, like Nickelodeon. Yeah. Played them all the time, and yeah. that, that's really the extent of it all. I don't. I don't have a lot of exposure to it whatsoever. So. I I remember the commercials a lot. I specifically remember they would always come either right before or after a G.I. Joe commercial. Like they would pair them like back to back. Like really? G.I. Joe, then Barbie, or the Barbie, then G.I. Joe. Um, to get the whole market, I def- probably, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Just one and done, knock them out. And I'd specifically remember that because I would always be like, oh, it comes, you know, the G.I. Joe commercial after, or the Barbie commercial after. But I I remember the jingle from you know you know they tur- they turned it into number one song but it originally was in the commercials and it would stay stuck in your head and haunt your dreams but um, <laughs> I had family members also and like uh, friends when I was a kid you know you play with the neighbors and stuff and uh, they would have them and stuff and it's it's weird uh, Nabil yeah because she was so much taller if we had our GI Joes like. And all the kids were playing, like she'd be like this giant monster you try to shoot down or yeah. something with your G.I. Joe's or something, because you know, dolls so freaking tall. But yeah, yeah, compared to everything else. Walking yeah. through like Toys R Us and like Christmas time and stuff, I remember like there'd be like Transformers or G.I. Joe's and then like a big Barbie display and stuff. So I remember like, like be a shit ton of toys. It was like a whole area of pink, I remember. Look, they had yeah. collectors editions too. You know, those they still do the Christmas collections. Yeah. Um like people still, I know, I know people as adults that still collect those things. Yeah, they still do but that's yeah. That's, mm-hmm. Yikes! Yeah. <laughs> no, so I most of ours don't go to stores that much, but I don't go to stores that often, I guess. But I'm yeah, there's not a whole section for Barbie even at Target, I think. Yeah, I think so. Well, uh, let's get into our thoughts of Barbie. Uh, starting again with you, Mikey. What were your thoughts of the movie? Uh, overall, I thought it was good. Um, I 
I had issues, I guess, with the story aspect of it. I don't know why I was expecting like a good storyline with a uh, you know a toy that doesn't have a story long to go along with it. But that's mm-hmm. I don't know. I just had expectations there, I guess, and they just didn't meet that. But I thought <laughs> like, that was, was like, like oh. that's not the origin. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> like I said, I don't even know what I was expecting, but what I right. saw wasn't didn't match what I thought it might be going on here, right? So, but I did feel like they had really great scenes. And just not a lot like weaving them together, I guess is what I'm trying to say. I But there were some really good scenes in the movie overall. Um, you know, there's there's just really funny things that happen, in my opinion. Uh, and then there's just some other, you know, like really good, powerful scenes. Um, and then just there's just not, not really stuff that's like storyline stuff that kind of goes through. Like things just happen. Like she just runs into the person she's supposed to find. And, uh, you know, those kind of things just kind of happen. And that was kind of like, I don't know, for me, just lacking as far as story side goes. But I still mm-hmm. enjoy the film. I, you know, I saw it with my sister and my uh, brother-in-law. And they really enjoyed it as well. Um, so, you know, I had fun watching it uh, and quoting the movie afterwards. We talked for it, you know, about it for a long period afterwards. So uh, it, was, it was a really good movie. Nice. All right, uh, I'm going to switch it up here and go with James. Uh, what were your thoughts of Barbie? Barbie, 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 huh? Um, my first, ex- I saw this twice, actually, just to let you guys know, because my first experience was fucking terrible because it was 110 fucking degrees <laughs> in the theater. <laughs> fucking AC oh, really? was broken. <laughs> they were even oh, like, hey, if you don't want to go into this hell hole, seventh layer hell, you don't have to. We walked in. I was, saw it with my niece and my sister, but we were already there, you know? I was like, fuck, we already brought our food, so... We stayed, and then um, I was sweating down my back the entire time. So <laughs> I, was just like, I heard about reminded me of um, remind yeah, me huh? of, remind me of Berkeley days back when we didn't have an AC while watching four hour long was... silent films. Yeah, it's fun. So I rewatched it yesterday actually with Janelle and her brother David, and much better experience. I I think um I think I like to watch movies when I'm comfortable. I guess who would have known? But <laughs> back to the movie, I liked it actually. Overall, I, I think the second viewing actually helped out a lot because, um, I don't know, I just wasn't irritated the whole time, maybe. So, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I know that sounds so fucking, like, fucked up, but it's like, well, that's the truth. I just wasn't, like, yeah, irritated by it. You need to be comfortable sometimes. Yeah. yeah, I wasn't blinking sweat out of my eyes every time I chuckled. So, mm-hmm. uh, I think it's funny. <laughs> I think it has a, a very clear message. I don't, I understand, I think it's a little heavy-handed with the message overall, but, I mean, I get it. It's fine. I, I didn't have an issue. It's not going to be for everybody, and it's not meant. I don't think it's meant for everybody, which is fine too. So, it, you know, go on social media. There's all these people bitching about it, but it's like, well, you don't have to see it. It's not. Not every movie is made for everybody, in my opinion. Yeah. So, um, I thought it was well acted. Uh, I do agree with Mikey. The plot is it's pretty thin. It's really like Barbie World goes to the real world for a couple minutes and come back, right? And like, okay, and then deal with the Ken issue. So. But there's there's a message overall to it, and I, I liked it. I thought it was very funny, and I found myself quoting it too a bit, Mikey. I'm not gonna lie, I felt like it's a very quotable film. It felt like um, just like a silly comedy, really, but with like a deeper, some somewhat deeper message to it overall, with some drama. So yeah, it's weird because like you're laughing at it, but then it has like this really big message behind it, right? So it's yeah. like it's almost like why? Like I don't, I feel like bad at laughing, right? It's kind of weird, but I get what you're saying. Yeah. No, that makes sense. That makes sense. And uh, I'm glad you got to see it a second time and, and enjoy it and not be, you know, in, you know, the seventh level of hell or anything. So, uh, Nabil, what about you? What were your thoughts of Barbie? I also agree. I agree. You know, I enjoyed the film. I 
I like the message. I think that, yeah, they did kind of put it right in your face multiple times, but it wasn't overbearing to me. It was there, you know, and I was like, okay, I get it. But also like, yeah, like James said, that's it's what the film is. And I don't see why people are, you know, trying to be divisive on it. I think it's a great it's a pretty good message, to be honest. Um, the film was funny. Uh, the plot was thin, um, like Mikey said. The only thing that really got me, though, as far as the plot's concerned, was not the whole sense of like going to the real world from Barbie Land and coming back, but how anybody else, like in the real world, can just go to Barbie Land with or without Barbie. And I was like, huh, that seems that's like the that's point. Just, of it. it's just you just go convenient. with it. Right? Yeah, no, I got it. I went with it. I went with it. But I thought that was uh that was one thing that, that kind of bothered me a little bit, though. But Otherwise, yeah, I thought it was funny. I thought there were some really good jokes. Ken, all the Ken stuff was just hilarious. Um, and even like seeing the different Barbies and their jobs. And I actually liked the the storyline of Margot Robbie's Barbie as the stereotypical Barbie. That wasn't something that I was thinking of. And when I, when they were going through it, I was like, oh, okay, so she's like just the base level and everybody else is so accomplished. And I, I and then she's having like her existential crisis. And I, I, let me tell you, as a middle-aged man who's also starting to go through a bit of a, a midlife journey, <laughs> we'll say, it, some of it resonated with me. And I was like, yeah, no, I understand where you're going with here. So, um, yeah, I think the uh, I think the film was was very well done. I, I enjoyed, enjoyed it. And I probably will see it again um, as soon as I'm able to. Right on. No, I, I really like the movie too, truthfully. I um like Mikey, I try to stay away from the trailer as much as possible. I saw very few scenes because I just I didn't want to see it. I was like, I'm, I want to go in blind, right? Um, especially once I found out it was a Greta Gerwig movie. I was like, let's, you know, let's go in and do this. Big Sacramento fan of hers. Represent. Yeah, I don't think they showed too go. much of the trailers, by the way, just to let you know. No, I don't think it really spoiled. I didn't want to risk it though, you know, especially with a lot of trailers these days. They just like show the whole fucking movie, and it's like, god damn it. But um, I'm I'm glad that the the scenes I did see like didn't even like really scratch the surface of the movie. But I agree, I liked it. It was funny. It was hilarious. Um, it wasn't your face, but it, I didn't mind it at all. I think I think it was well deserved. Uh, I think probably if you're a guy, you'll probably feel a little uncomfortable with it, but I think like that's the point of the movie and I was okay with it. I'm okay with feeling uncomfortable in movies. I think like sometimes movies that like really have a good message or that really make you think like have to elicit those emotions. Um, I felt like in this day and age, it's probably something that's well needed as well too. Uh, the comedy like hit uh, every time, which I, I'm not surprised, but at the same time, like, you know, it's a Barbie fucking movie. How, how funny could it be? Right. It, it's fucking hilarious. I couldn't stop laughing. Uh, the lines, the punch lines, they all worked. Um, I did have a little bit uh, of an issue with how the whole real world and Barbie land thing kind of worked at first, but then I just sort of went with it. Um, I, I do agree that, yeah, it seems like a lot of scenes are kind of like stitched together, but I kind of like interpret it like it's a just like the toy line or just like any toys. Like none of the sets make sense, you know. Like one one set from one action figure to another set of the same action figure doesn't make sense. You kind of weave it all together to make an intricate story, and I feel like that's what Greta Gerwig was doing. And I kind of like that because you have like the different toy sets in there uh, that kind of like 
put together and you, and you build a story based off the sets. So I kind of like looking at it that way, I felt it worked. I felt that was kind of like a little smart on, on her end. I was like, that's actually pretty cool. It's like, if I were to make a Ninja Turtles movie and I was a kid, I'd probably do that with the fucking sets. So uh, other than that, like, um, I, again, I, I'd probably see it again too, Nabil. I probably am going to see it again. So yeah, fun movie. Um, in the club. So, <laughs> so the, the, the story really is like Barbie. It, it, we start off with her, you know, in, in Barbie land and everything's all honky dory and everything. And then she, she starts to feel a little weird and uh, gets a little sad and depressed and wants to find out why and thinks that it's because someone is playing with her that way and it's eliciting these emotions in her. And so she wants to go to the real world to find out why and sort of like find herself and her purpose, I guess. But is, uh, James, is, is that what you thought this movie would be about initially? Yeah. Yeah. I saw the trailer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That, 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 there's one scene in there. Yeah. So I, I wasn't shocked by that at all. All right. Bill and Mikey, would you guys say the same? That's sort of what you guys expected. I'm asking as someone who didn't watch the trailer, by the way. So to me, I had no idea what the plot was going to be. So it kind of came yeah. out of left field for me as far as like what the plot would be about. And I'm like, oh shit, this is interesting. I had no idea it would take place I, at I all in the real the, world. The Ken stuff is more of the real twist to the whole movie. Like that, right. they didn't show any of that, like or hint of that in the trailer. The Kate McKinnon scene is totally in the like earliest trailer, I think, truthfully, where she has to choose or whatever. So I wasn't shocked by that. Yeah. I would say the one thing that did throw me off as well, on top of the like the Ken stuff, was uh, Will Ferrell's character, the CEO of Mattel. I was assuming he was going to be the generic, I'm an evil corporate guy, and you're going to come in over here and change my whole world and make it all pink and we're happy. Mm-hmm. And instead, it was like, actually, he really cares about it from a male perspective, but he really cares about the brand. Was it funny it's that every- he didn't add like a woman to that thing, by the way? Yeah, not at all. But exactly. Like, but at the same right. time, the whole board is very, you know, uh, male centric, <laughs> female centric. So there's like a mother. <laughs> <laughs> so I found that was surprising because they didn't go that route. But it was hilarious. Yeah. Like Will Ferrell yeah. played that part really well, and that it it actually did, you know, kind of pay off through uh, through their you know their little narrative that they had going on with the CEO. Nice, it was Mikey. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah I, I kind of said it a little bit uh, on my thoughts. The but here, I, I didn't actually know what to expect. I only saw like a part of the trailer. I didn't see the whole thing because, uh, like I said, I'm trying to avoid as much as possible for every movie, not just this one. Mm-hmm. Um, so do it, Mikey. I did Fuck. catch some of it. Yeah, I know James gets pissed at me when I close my eyes Just in the theater. Do it. <laughs> Just do it. Uh, Just do it. But, uh, fucking cares. I didn't really know Racist what to expect, films. but I, I also didn't. I mean, I, I mean, I don't know where they could take it. Right? I mean, you see movies like Battleship and Rampage, <laughs> where they have like nothing to go off of, and they actually do come up with some kind of storyline. So I figured there'd be something, obviously, but uh, I just don't know what I was really thinking it would be about. I it's kind of open. Yeah, I felt that it worked for the movie and for what what they were trying to um, convey as a message. And I agree with that. With uh, with so many different uh, properties, especially toy properties or game properties that are being like, uh, I guess, pushed in our faces. It's it's kind of nice to have something that's a little more like different and refreshing rather than like them having nothing to go with and it being super fucking random and not making you know that much sense. So that being said, um, Nabil, what were your thoughts of like the the 
the comedy was do you think there was too much satire or do you think it worked for the movie no not at all i think i think that's what kept the movie entertaining to be honest was was the jokes they were some of them more subtle than others were some of them were very you know it was satirical it was like this is this is funny being played out as funny but also this is real truth like this is what people deal with and what women go through and you know like let's be real and so they did a really good way uh, uh greta gerwig especially like she she did a really good job of like putting this on screen for me to make sure that i'm aware of the fact that this is a shitty situation but mm-hmm. also the find a little bit of humor in it to be like okay but they're they are um, exaggerating it to a little extent, just but only in the context of Barbie, not necessarily of real women, you know. So I think that that's all very funny, um, and I I think each of the jokes hit. I loved um, the Ken situation about the patriarchy and what he learned about it, and I loved the line it wasn't near the end when he said he found out it wasn't about horses anymore or something. He lost interest, <laughs> like because it's he's, he's completely like all into him, by, the yeah. way, by the way that whole right. monologue. He's lying the whole time. Yeah, like, he's yeah. still really. He's like, I didn't even like leading, and he's crying. Yeah. Right? <laughs> like, like that whole thing is it's because that's what it is. Like he just he want his whole thing is he wants attention, yeah. but you know at the same time, it never was to the point where like Barbie had to concede anything of herself. You know, she just kind of had to set things straight again the way it should have been. Um, and all the women kind of got every, all the other Barbies essentially got everything back to normal, but. Um, though the all those jokes i think played off really well and it was just it, you know each beat where it was satire and they were throwing in a bit of truth into it I, not a lot of uh, filmmakers can do that and do it well because it's either like we like we kind of touched a little bit some some of the message is really in your face but it isn't in the place where i think that i got slapped with it i just like it was a little nudge like hey man remember what we're talking about here still you know but it's also funny it's okay to laugh about it so yeah i thought it would go well uh, speaking of the message, uh, James, what did you? How did you interpret the, me- the overall message of the film? I think you take it a couple ways. I, I, um, I mean, I, I think especially if you're a, a mother or a daughter or anything like that, it probably hits a little bit harder too. There's a lot of, um, mm-hmm. especially near the end, there's kind of like a, you know, Margot Robbie's Barbie character is kind of asking like, where does she fit in, or can she live among the humans? And she's always trying to like kind of become something that she probably mm-hmm. she thinks she needs like permission and such like for it so there's definitely a message in there there's a, there's a message with ken obviously like hey he doesn't need to just it doesn't need to be barbie and ken it can just be barbie and ken right like separate right. they don't yeah. have to be relying on each other which is a smart way to look at it too because the whole time you think about it you're like oh are they like really destined or even the wolf Ferrell's character is like that's her story right she falls in love right. like no not really mm-hmm. So there, there, there's a couple of messages with it. And I think it's about, you know, there's a strong message about being a woman growing up. Uh, things in life aren't always the best. I mean, Gloria brings that up a couple of times. You know, she's talking about how like Barbie's talking about how her life is in shambles and all these things are happening. And then Gloria lets her know, like, yeah, that's life. Like, it's never perfect, you know, so. It's not about having the perfect Barb. Oh, look at that. Perfect Barbie world. But it's about exactly just living life and like understanding what's going on and like rolling with the bunches kind of so yeah i liked it it worked for me that was really exactly I, I i liked how it showed for for both sides you know agreeing kind of jumping on what you were saying like how it empowers barbie and being a, a woman and and not ha- not needing permission to to be whatever you want um like with uh, on ken's side you know it, it's like hey you know like 
this this is not what the idea of like being a man is you you don't need to like push people down or be a total fucking douchebag or anything just be you know be supportive and be your own person without you know bringing someone else down you know and i kind of like that too or you know it just a lot of people will probably go into this movie thinking oh they're just gonna you know you know trash guys and stuff like that and it's like dude it, it points out like a lot of mistakes but it also points out like it's in a funny you know, way hey yeah, yeah. It, it points out like hey you know like just don't be a freaking asshole like i think there's alliances just you know be an allen or something like that because he's I, I think it's even of, like it's even strong in a way of like how barbie apologizes to ken like she also wasn't like giving him the time of day right like ken also kind of shows that he didn't need much to like really right he like he got you know he's like someone asked me about the time right and like it's just like true shit like that <laughs> but it, then she she's like yeah it's girls night every night for the rest of the time and stuff like that and, and she realizes like she actually really genuinely hurt his feelings right and it's like it's true. like a little thing it, it's both on both ways and i feel like a lot of people probably gloss over that part so yeah i'll, I'll speak a little more on that scene a little little later on but I, I really like that scene a lot too um just because of the way it was presented and everything Mikey, thoughts on uh, the characters in the movie? What were your thoughts of uh, Margot Robbie's Barbie? Uh, she did a good job. I actually think everybody did a pretty good job in this movie. Everybody had a really good performance. They played the role pretty well. But yeah, Margot Robbie, I mean, she had a, a couple scenes where like she's experiencing emotion for like the very first time. And mm-hmm. it kind of felt like she kind of came across like she's actually feeling it for the first time. Like it, it, it actually felt kind of real. Um, and also she's, I mean, she has like, a bunch of scenes where you know she is the stereotypical Barbie kind of person, um, and mm-hmm. then she has to kind of get yes, tossed Mikey, into this kind of world. We get it. She's gorgeous. Just fucking. Well, she is gorgeous, <laughs> but, no, but I love it. the scene too where they pause and they actually address that. Right? Like, if she's gonna say she's yeah. ugly, why would you get Margot she's Robbie? Like, right? I'm like, so ugly. I like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, is like not the person the cast to say that, but yeah, yeah. funny. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was a chuckle. But yeah, me, I mean, like, she did a good job, and. Uh, you know, she just has a lot to kind of work with. Uh, they gave her a lot of a lot of good scenes, I think. Agreed. Uh, She's uh, really good at immersing herself in a character. Thoughts on other Barbies, Nabil, and how they were shown in the movie? I mean, my favorite Barbie was going to be Weird Barbie, Kate McKinnon. She's fucking hilarious. <laughs> I don't know. I love <laughs> Kate McKinnon. She, she really did a good job, dude. Uh, <laughs> exactly. Why is she doing the split? She's just... <laughs> <Yeah. just, laughs> just just it's because she was left that way, right? Yeah. Yeah. Right? Uh, she's just so funny in there. She embraces it. It's just, and she's like, she points out everybody else's flaws too, and why they were weird, even though she's supposed to be the weird one. Which is like, like Barbie having uh, Margot Robbie's Barbie having flat feet, and he's like, oh, that's like that's weird. Like, it's just. But I right. do like how they do a lot of close ups of her, and it's just like really shocking close ups, and they're like, wow, yeah. like, holy crap. She's like, sorry, I set myself up for that, huh? They they <laughs> do a lot of absurdism, and I like it. Yeah. yeah, Alan's underused, I think. Yeah, I don't think we get a lot of time with him, but the moments that we do get, they actually did, they, they paid off. And I mean, I guess that is to uh, Michael Sarah's credit, right? That he's just yeah. kind of kind of silent um, love- comedian in the corner. I love but, the scene where Ken's crying then he comes in and they, they this is a shot of Alan just crying too. He's <laughs> yeah. He's just can't take it. He's like, what's going on? Uh, it was a good addition. It was a, a good change of pace too when they would go to him and include him. Not to mention I haven't seen Michael Sarah anything in hell long, dude. Uh, yeah. Right. Uh, and you know, he still he he still looks like he's at least in his twenties. That's what he looks like. Dude, I know he's, he's in his thirties. Yeah. Right he's now. still looking good, you know. So got that baby face. 
but yeah, those yeah. those are you know I loved I loved Weird Barbie and I I loved uh, Alan. I think they were the good kind of the good kind of comedy a uh, comic reliefs that they put in these films that really kind of helped. Yeah, um, I didn't even know Alan was a real toy. Pretty good. I looked him up. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, he's in the he's, he's, during the mid credit scene. They have a they show his ad to him and no, Midge yeah, yeah. I was like, holy shit! No, yeah. yeah, I was like, is that for real? Yeah, Midge, the the fucking <laughs> pregnant. Like, Whoa, I think that's hilarious. <laughs> oh, the pregnant. Continue. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, Mikey, what were your thoughts on Gloria and her daughter Sasha? Do you, do you think that they worked for the story? Do you think they were underutilized? Do you think it just felt like they were randomly in the movie? What, what did you think? No, actually, they were in some way my favorite characters in the movie. Um, I feel like they were like the main characters that, like, at least for me, I felt like they made like the biggest point. Um, the Gloria monologue, where she's like going over with the Barbies and kind of just talking and and kind of just going on about like how the world is treating women and stuff. Um, yes. And I, I thought that was a very powerful scene, and she does a fantastic job doing that monologue scene. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of stuff here and also like just their story as far as like their characters. I mean, they're not even in the, they're only in the second, like the second half of the movie actually. Um, right. And like they have a lot of stuff that happens with them. I mean, she's basically depressed and now she's like, has this struggle to kind of like, you know, be a woman in our world nowadays. And then Barbie is kind of like the hope for her and you kind of see that transition. And then her daughter's also yeah. changing at the same time. So there's a lot of like just content with those two characters, even though they're not, there's like very concise scenes in there, but they're very powerful scenes with the two of them. Um, and there's a lot of change with those characters. So I really, I thought those two characters were really well done. I agree. Uh, Glorious monologue is, is probably one of the best scenes uh, in the movie. I wish they, they would have had a little bit more of them because they, they were very strong, powerful characters from the get go. Where like immediately like you're you're drawn to their character and you're like oh this is you know this is interesting not to say the Barbie stuff wasn't interesting it was it was nice it was fantastical you know it was it was immersive you know it, it but um and I know that Greta Gerwig had a lot to fit into this movie but um just I I wish we would have had a little bit more of them what we did get did work for me but that was just if if I'm nitpicking it I'm just like just a little bit more with them you know I feel like um, not just showing their stuff in flashbacks. Their resolution yeah. between each other gets kind of like solved pretty quick, almost off scene, like of them bonding again. It just it happens very quick. I, there's not a lot. I think of, it um, feels. I, I it kind of feels like that because their their story was part of their story was shown in flashbacks. That's why I wish we would have had those scenes, you know, play out throughout the movie. Um, yeah, and but I get it. it. They're trying to yeah, the it still works. Them, but, but I just you know. If I'm I, I, thought, if I'm, I thought they became friends again really fucking easy. I was like, oh, that was good. Yeah, it was. It was all happened really quickly. And yeah. I, I, I almost credit that to Mikey's thing of it's just a lot of scenes string together. That felt like one yeah. of them when they were leaving. Like, here's a scene where they become right. friends again, and Alan fights people like Scott Pilgrim. So yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, well, I know we talked about one great scene with Gloria, but uh, James, is there any other scene for you that stands out? Uh, anytime Ryan Gosling's on screen, pretty much. <laughs> he, he stole the show for me, man. Dude. That dude's the funniest fucking guy. If you've never seen the Nice Guys, by the way, listeners, mm, like, do yourself a great. favor and watch that. That is yeah. easily his funniest movie he's ever been in. So he, he is, is just so up. good in this movie. Uh, he's Beach, bro. He's Beach. So <laughs> beach. yeah, and I mean, I'm not. Fuck, he's like shirtless the whole movie. So 
He really is. He's got his best. Son. He's got his best. He's not sure. Every time, his dude, his 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 song is just so catchy. So it's just cool. Yeah. All the kids are kind of funny. I I think we don't get a lot of the other guys. Truthfully, like Simi Lou is kind of like the main antagonist. Ken, I guess. Right, kind of. Yeah. Which is weird. I thought the he was a little flat though. Hilarious. If I'm gonna be totally honest, I felt like he was a little flat. Kingsley Bandadier was in this, so I understand why he was just sleeping through fucking Secret Invasion. So yeah, because that show's fucking terrible. <laughs> So yeah, Ryan Gosling was just great, man. He's so fucking funny. His 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 and his like interpretation of what's going on is just so fucking stupid too. On top of that, yeah. So just to him seeing the gym and then like seeing the guys and he just copies like the looks of like fucking Rock Sylvester Stallone from Rocky Three and shit. I thought <laughs> it's it was the most straightforward interpretation, and it's being so he plays it so well and straight is what really adds which it is why it's, it's like, so funny yeah. too very very leslie nielsen of him by the way i might yes, say agreed. that is why i love the naked gun movies which i'm re-watching as we speak and it's like because leslie nice. nielsen plays it so fucking straight and in, in a world where it's like everything's funny but he's the one straight guy about it like <laughs> i'm not gonna laugh at these jokes like this is my shit so um i i just yeah literally every scene it was just it was you know the casa the casa dojo house whatever the fuck it was like that's hilarious it just it's just really stupid like he, they come on i mean i get it like they, they they really nail it in the head of like hey this is kind of how we're gonna roll with it which is fine like yeah. I, I but i thought it was great um and then i like the scene where barbie talks to uh ruth handler's spirit and they kind of go yes. through that billy eilish song plays on and they you know it's shots of things it's kind of like the dramatic moment and stuff like that but that was cool we stand yep. still so our children can see how far they've gone. <laughs> and then I just was like, well, I don't know what that means. <laughs> I'm having an existential crisis. Uh, what about I you, Nabil? No child. <laughs> uh, any any scenes that stand out or uh, anything you I, want to see more of? I don't think we really talked about it, but the, the beach fight scene with the Ken. <laughs> oh, that, 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 like, well, that was kind of part of the song, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> With the eggs, the eggs, they're getting hit with the fucking uh, with the props. <laughs> they're like, yeah. are, are there real weapons here? Yeah, <laughs> somebody got shot. I was like, wait, who had the gun? Did get shot, by the way. I have yeah, no he fucking did. clue how. But I thought that, that you know, just obviously transitioning to the dance, but like the whole like that, how that started and where it went, like it was the highlight of the film for me. Was that whole Ken Bar- beat scene? Well, for me, in terms of scenes, uh, I like the when the Barbies are like trying to get the other Barbies to not be brainwashed, and they're like all on the beach singing the same song for like hours and hours and Push. hours. Yeah, it's Bush it was... by Matchbox Twenty. I felt personally yeah. attacked by that. Just to let you know, especially the Godfather <laughs> scene, <laughs> the Godfather scene too. And I was like, the Godfather <laughs> got a little couple of corner of their own, don't they? Sons of bitches. Yeah, yeah. it's Godfather. And I was like, oh wait. Does he even know that they have a horse head in that? Because they were all like loving horses, and I was like, just mm-hmm. thinking in my head, it's like, just a lot of horse realize. stuff. Even the yeah. lamps, the lamps, the TVs constantly playing like a a loop of a horse going around like a circle or some shit. Like, they all want to be cowboys. That's what it is. Kind of. Yeah. That was funny. Yeah. I did like how, in a way, like the Kens became the bad guy in a way. Like, yeah, kind of. I I th- I was thinking about it last night. I was talking to Janelle about it. I was like, are the Kens the bad guys, or is it really just like society as a whole? Like one of those like protagonist versus society kind of thing but you know i mean they um, were gonna literally vote to destroy you know to change the whole thing yeah, yeah. but i think it's more so like, like, a, like the kids were just following what they saw right they're kind of like they don't know anything because they only been in this like perfect barbie world right just like yeah. men so they influence really easily right 
So I don't I think guess. that necessarily the yeah, Kins are just... the bad guys. They were influenced by society and how we live. Yeah, you can see it that way. Like, and then the Kenny was under false pretense of information he received in the real world, came back under like, hey, this is how things are really run, but which is not not, not true in a way. But, although there is some truth to it about role reversal and such. But they take it into a very far, far direction as is what I would say, Nabil. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I would say maybe not as far as we might think if we uh, if things keep going the way they're going. But yes, it is unrealistic as of right now. Yeah, we could say that. So Marco actually disconnected listeners. So we're, I'm just going to continue here. Is there anything you guys would have seen, wanted to see more or less of? Um, I will say that this is a film that I feel like is complete. And though I know it will not be true because Mattel is making a shit ton of money, I would be fine if there wasn't a sequel. They got but that Uno you know movie coming, bro. Yeah. yeah. They got Hot Wheels coming, right? The Rock'em Sock'em Bots thing with Vin Diesel. It's going to be great. You know? Can't wait. What about you, Mike? Yeah. Anything do you want to see less of, more of on this one? Or did you think it worked pretty uh, well? I mean, the movie is how the movie is, right? I mean, I I think we kind of touched on what we kind of think about it here. I would have liked more storyline uh, to kind of weave these really great scenes in. Marco mentioned that some of these powerful scenes, there could have been a little bit more of them to kind of stretch some of the characters out. But that being said, I mean, it it is what it is. Uh, it is going to be this way. And I actually, I mean... As it is, it's still a pretty good movie, so it doesn't really need to change in order for me to like it. But, I mean, we've already kind of gone over everything else we want more or yeah. less of. Yeah, totally so. fine. Uh, let's get into our ratings then for this. And uh, if you, I mean, it sounds like we're all going to recommend it. So, uh, Nabil, with, starting with you, big guy, what is your rating for Barbie? I gave this four and a half stars out of five. Oh, very high. What about you, Mikey? Uh, I gave it three and a half. You know, it's good. And uh, well, fuck them. I get it. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> You're like, this is a man's world. This ain't a fucking doll. I get it, man. Shit. No, I like the message they gave. It didn't wow. bother me at all. Fantasy. So. Yeah, yeah. Fantasy. <laughs> and I gave this one actually a four out of five. I, I originally gave it a three and a half because of the fucking um, vortex of heat I was in in the original viewing of this, but um, I give it a four now after my second viewing. I've seen it twice and um. Yeah, I think it's a good movie overall. It's one of those things where, you know, I, I date somebody that is actually very high in power at her job. And I, as opposed to her, like, I would say this much, like, sometimes, you know, it's not always, it's not always a man's word. I think the world is changing and this is a good kind of reflection of what could, what could come. So uh, with that, that is the end of our review of Barbie. Now we're going to go into our second film of our double feature, which is going to be. Oppenheimer. This is a national emergency. Detonator charged. We're in a race against the Nazis. start 18 how could you possibly know that we've got one hope all america's industrial might and scientific innovation connected here secret laboratory keep everyone there until it's done 
go recruit some scientists. Build a town, build it fast. We don't let scientists bring their families, we'll never get the best. Why would we go to the middle of nowhere for who knows how long? Why? Why? How about because this is the most important thing to ever happen in the history of the world? You're the great improviser, but this... you can't do in your head. Are we saying there's a chance that when we push that button, we destroy the world? Chances are near zero. Near zero. What do you want from theory alone? Zero would be nice. Oppenheimer. It's currently sitting at a 94% on Rotten Tomatoes. The story is of American scientist J.U. Robert Oppenheimer and his role in the development of the atomic bomb. This was directed by Christopher Nolan, who uh, recently did Tenet in 2020, as well as Dunkirk in 2017 and Interstellar in 2014. Also written by Christopher Nolan. This is based on the biography of American Prometheus, the triumph and tragedy of J. Robert Oppenheimer by K. Bird and Martin Sherwin, released currently and in only theaters on July 21st. And a big cast of people, this film stars Killian Murphy as J. Robert Oppenheimer, Emily Blunt as Catherine Kitty Oppenheimer, Matt Damon as Leslie Groves, Robert Downey Jr. as Louis Strauss, Florence Pugh as Gene Tatlock, Josh Hartnett, handsome son of a bitch in this film, Ernest Lawrence. Dude. It's looking good. <laughs> Casey Affleck as Boris Pash. Rami Malek as David L. Hill. Kenneth Branagh as Niels Bohr. Benny Safdie as Edward Teller. Jason Clark, Roger Robb. Tom Conti as the Albert Einstein. James Darcy as Patrick Blackett. David Dastmalchian as William L. Borden. Dane DeHaan as Kenneth Knowles. Alden Ehrenreich as Senate aide to Louis Strauss, and so many more. All right, so, James, I'm going to start with you. Do you have any history? Do you under- Did you understand, like, the history of Robert Oppenheimer before this movie, what he did, what he contributed to history, or is this kind of all new to you? Yeah, actually, I, I knew a little bit. I didn't know the whole story, though, obviously. Um, yeah. I know there's been a few other movies on this, like, but I, I just never really watched any movies about the Tonic Palm, I guess. Outside yeah. of maybe what we touched upon in like high school when we learned about World War II. Uh, I was aware of the Berkeley stuff, though, which is cool. Like that's Kilman Hall, that's which cool. they're walking outside of. And there's scenes. They, they did shoot it there as well last year. So there's a couple scenes that they shot. Uh, I used to walk by that all the time uh, on my way to one of my classes. So that uh, his office is still in there. They have the room that's still in there. They have a plaque for, you know, during for the Manhattan Project there, too. So it's pretty cool. How about you, Mikey? Any history um, of our knowledge of Oppenheimer and um, before? Uh, sorry, before this movie. I mean, I knew there was an atomic bomb, and I knew Oppenheimer's <laughs> name was attached to it in some way, shape, or form. But honestly, didn't know too much about you know his history and how it all went down. I had I had no references from beforehand, other than it existed and it went on uh, the two locations it did. So, yeah. And Marco, how about yourself? Anything, uh, any kind of uh, history, historical context for you in regards to Oppenheimer's history in this movie? 
I knew about him. That's pretty much it. <laughs> yeah. Didn't know anything yeah, else. Yeah, I mean, I think I think a lot of people knew him at least by name, right? And that there was some correlation with the atomic bomb. Definitely, I feel that the later half of you know, like where his career kind of ended up going uh, probably wasn't as, uh, as uh, remembered for many people. But yeah, good to know. What about... I guess before we kind of even go to the movie, just as a reminder, we've already talked about this, but there, we are going to go to spoiler, you know, just so we're just going to talk about the film and everything that's going on. Also, it's his history, so you can kind of look it up, too, if you really needed to, but it's there. Uh, so, Mikey, our guest, uh, I don't know if you ended up watching this with James or not, but if you were anything like me, um, I assume that you guys got to see the fancy special showing, and I did not because my life sucks and this is what I get available to me. Um, I don't so, think you even have the ability in that state to watch this movie, by the way. <laughs> there, I he, up and he, he didn't have there, an option There at is all. an IMAX, and then, but it's not like a, a full-size IMAX. So it's oh, like not the quote-unquote real IMAX that they've yeah. been talking and about. There were some theaters showing 70mm, but it was like last weekend after I had already seen it. They weren't showing it the first weekend for some reason. So, you was know. it just under seventy millimeter then? Not IMAX. Yeah, oh, okay. none of them had IMAX. Which is also, yeah, uh, it's only in nineteen theaters in America, which is fucking insane, by the way. But although yeah, we do nice. have an OmniMax here, because we have like this, like a science center, so they were showing it at that. But it's God, the same. Yeah, it's not the same. Yeah, the same. yeah. it literally is a eleven mile reel that weighs over six hundred pounds, and only certain once again only 35 theaters in the world can play it and 19 are in america mikey and i are lucky to have three of them in this relatively close to us yeah and it was absolutely beautiful in 70 millimeter imax as well uh so i bet it was i guess it there the bill me and james saw it together uh like always and uh it was beautiful and i I brought a tear to my eye was that your first 70 millimeter uh imax 70 millimeter movie mikey right it was yeah this is my first experience with it and it is uh worth the uh, trip down uh to really? place, for sure yeah we had vegan burgers before too it was fucking weird oh, very it california was delicious too. Love it. it was yes. the hippiest shit i've ever done in my life <laughs> <laughs> and he mikey gave me a kiss on my doctor the way i said no not here not in front of people <laughs> <laughs> yeah we saw it together at the imax 70 millimeter so yeah in Sacramento. Oh, very cool. Esquire. Yeah. Cool. How about you, Marco? Did you get to see the film in a f- special format, or um, you just go down to the local $5 matinee film and <laughs> just like, this is what I'm going to watch? I saw it on my phone. <laughs> he downloaded it. Wait, it was meant to be. No, I Torrent went to the, the I saw it at Esquire recorder. also in Sacramento. I went with my brother and my niece. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, in 70 millimeter. Looked fucking dope. Was so that just your first me. time okay, cool. seeing it IMAX 70 millimeter, Marco? Or have you seen a previous movie like that before? Uh, I've seen a previous one. I saw the uh, the Hateful Eight. I think I saw it with you. 70 millimeter. That was 35 millimeter. Oh, that 35. Was, uh, um, that was the Tarantino one we saw at the Fox Theater in Oakland, actually. Special road that would That would probably be the only one I saw in 70 millimeter then. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, as is my first time, too. Nolan does a lot of those. Uh, I've seen Interstellar and Dunkirk in 70 millimeter. So he likes film. <laughs> he does like film. Yeah. If you're able, so so gleaning for this guy. So if you're listening, you should know that that's the way you need to watch a film. It is worth watching in theaters, regardless. But if you have the ability to watch it in the most premium format that you can, you should do it, and especially in 70 millimeter. Um, or at least an IMAX if you're if it's available to you. 
so let's talk about the film. Uh, James, Yeah. what do you think about the movie? I thought this was fantastic. I really liked it. I think this is a a very powerful film. This is, um, I think this might be one of Christopher Nolan's best movies he's ever made, in my opinion. It was very touching out of nowhere. I didn't think, I mean, if you want to talk about a plot that I didn't think was going to play out the way it played out, this this would be it. I didn't, I didn't realize, I thought this was going to be more focused on that the explosion and the testing, the yeah. Trinity test, and I didn't realize it was going to go even beyond that with like his later years. I had no idea about that at all. So I thought it was perfect example of filmmaking, just the way it was shot. I loved the soundtrack. I think Killian Murphy is the forefront for like best actor at this point. Robert Downey Jr. is probably forefront for best supporting actor. So yeah, like Robert Downey Jr. surprised the fuck out of me. So stuff like yeah. that too. Like and once again, I think also because we saw it, on that gigantic fucking six story screen. Like it's just amazing. Like from the first shot, it's like just rainwater dropping down. It's like, holy shit, you know? Like just to like let people know, like IMAX 70 millimeter, I think is equivalent to if you had like a 16 or 32K TV. Like that's what it's equivalent to. It's, it's insane. So yeah. I I think the format itself kind of made it but there's like it's just the message too of just the horrors of what what all this became and what it it led to and it has led to the you know the ramifications i think is it's it's horrifying still dealing with it today yeah yeah so yeah Mm -hmm. uh what about you mikey how did you feel what did you think about the story like what are your thoughts here i kind of echo what james just said i mean it was a fantastic movie Acting across the board was pretty primo, and um, I don't know how they do it. There's not much like action in this movie. There's you know almost all dialogue, but somehow you're just like drawn into it. Like it grabs your attention, and you know they it just works. It's just well thought out scenes, Um, the flashbacks and stuff. How they kind of have the trial going on, as well as like kind of telling a story at the same time. It all works for me. Um, and I don't know if it's because we all kind of know about the atom bomb, right? We we all kind of know the outcome of that, right? So you're kind of just learning and unraveling some stuff with the characters. And then they write it in a way where there's still like twists at the end. So if you don't know the whole story, like I kind of went in not knowing anything, there was still like a twist. There was still like things that you didn't expect. Um, so it just made the movie, I mean, that much better uh, in my opinion. So yeah, I, I thought it was a fantastic film. Definitely the best movie this year for so far. If not, you know, I don't know of anything else that's going to come close to it. My, so Mikey far. kept asking me, when does he become Scarecrow throughout the movie? So. <laughs> I didn't know how to break it to him that this wasn't the same guy. <laughs> this is not Batman 4? Oh, He's man. like, when the fuck does he become the Scarecrow? I was like, I was like isn't there the a Megalodon happening here? What, let's go like, not the show. <laughs> Why the fuck is Iron Man in here? <laughs> um, Marco. What were your thoughts on the film? Did it did it enlighten you? Did you no, feel it was, like you're for it? It's really good, man. Yeah. Nolan's a solid storyteller. You just, I mean, I'm I'm biased as fuck because he's one of my favorite directors. So I wouldn't expect anything less from him. I love all his movies, dude. So um, once again, another another fucking home run. Like Mikey said, you know, you you're watching a trial take place, but he still finds a way to make it, you know, interesting and keep you on the edge of your seat so very well written well, let's talk let's talk about that a little bit what i mean what how did you feel about 
the way that the plot kind of jumped back and forth between the timelines. Um, and they kind of did a, a different type a roundabout storytelling of like his history and his life. Like, how did you feel? Did you feel that that paid off well, that kept the pacing strong or did you, would you have preferred something more linear? No, I, I like that. I, I think that it, it has scenes and reveals have that much more of an impact because you're seeing how each uh, separate timeline uh, connects to each other. And you're like, oh, that's a, you have the aha moment. Like that's the connection. Uh, when certain characters are mentioned, you know, during the trial, you you see the sequence of events that happens. Uh, even if it's out of order, like you, you you're able to weave the threads together and figure out what happened. Like, oh, damn, this, you know, this dude double crossed him or oh, shit, like um he's being investigated you know because they um because he's a super leftist you know whatever i i like that i liked how it, it didn't just focus on just the development of the bomb but the the story behind it the story of like the character of uh, oppenheimer and how he was done dirty just because of his political views you know just because the guy believed in unions you know shit like that so um a lot of shit that's happening today so um, I, I felt that I made the, the story that much more interesting and that much more powerful. The, the different usage of, you know, color and, and black and white, I felt was pretty cool. The fact that they, you know, developed a special black and white film for IMAX because it hadn't been invented yet. So that was pretty cool. Yeah, I, th- I think that the, the a lot of the topics that they went into more depth with, I really appreciated for that time of uh, history, like like you were talking about the communist movement and um, the kind of the red scare that was going on. We we see a lot of stories about how that impacted the film industry and like writers and stuff. But you know, there was other people. There was intellectuals. There was a lot of other people who just wanted to see a different kind of. They knew that the world was changing, and they wanted to see some something else come of it. And they were getting persecuted for just even having the notion of thinking about it. That that's uh, seeing a different aspect of Oppenheimer's life versus just the man who's affiliated with the atomic bomb, and really kind of understanding. I, I felt like even just I know a lot about his history with with the A bomb, but I felt I learned a lot more about him as a person in this film. And I mean, that's a that's a credit, obviously, to Nolan and his research and his writing, but also just Killian Murphy and the way that he made a man who's so complex, who's who's not necessarily a good man, but isn't also a bad man. You know, he's he's he has his struggles in life, but it's very fascinating story to see played on screen in that way. And he made me kind of like try to understand a little bit at least of what it was he was trying to accomplish and the severity of it and how that, how that it kind of stuck with him for the rest of his life. So um, you liked the movie then, Neville? I did. Yeah. I thought the, I thought the story was really good and um, it made me really think about a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of similarities to what was going on back then with, with um, you know, the, the, the scope of, the fact that there's a world war going on and you know what they felt needed to be done and to how the government always seems to have that kind of point of view in every war that they're in or situation um, that they're, they're always trying to find they, I mean the ACE that they can do. And even here, you know, we're always in the present time, there's always something like that going on where it seems like it's going to be at the end of the world soon. Um, but in that, in, in that time, it really, seemed like it might have been you know there was a lot of just change that we there was a lot of change we just didn't know what was going to happen so i i enjoyed the film i, lo- I loved how they kind of um told the story and it, for a three hour long film i 
you know, it didn't feel three hours. I just, it just kept going and I was in, enthralled the whole time. And there's like, um, I think, uh, you had mentioned, uh, Mikey, not a lot of action, you know? So it's just dialogue for the most part. And I felt like that was still enough. You know, I kept, uh, very much, um, engaged with the whole story. Uh, going back to you uh, as well, Mikey, um, what, what was your, you know, thought of, what you um, saw of Oppenheimer, especially like in the screen, you guys were touching on like the visual effects and how I guess James was mentioning, like the clarity of what you were seeing there. Like, what did you think about that imagery that they were showing on screen, the the shots that he was showing um, to kind of display um, his mindset and what, what Oppenheimer was envisioning throughout and the little segments that they were throwing in to, to kind of really capture that. How did you feel that was being portrayed on screen? Like how did that impact you at all? Did that work for you? So that was that was one thing I actually didn't like uh, the whole like flashing lights and those kind of things that it was seeing. That was like my one like nitpicky thing that I didn't like that much here. I mean, I get what they were trying to do. I just think it was used a little too much and it could have easily been, you know, like flashing of, of like scenes or like pictures or something like that. And I think that would have been a little bit more impactful uh, than just some flashing lights and those kind of like just kind of those kind of simple images that he saw. So I didn't I didn't like it that much here. Um, like like I said, I kind of get what he was going for and and kind of why he was doing it. Um, what about you, James? As we kind of always talk about, like how how did you feel the cinematography was on this film? Like how, how Nolan crafted the shots for this movie was it on par with a lot of the other stuff? Do you feel like he kind of outdone himself? You know, what were your just thoughts on on the camera work? It's beautiful, man. I think this is like Marco said, like his cinematography is always very consistent, even in movies where like it might not be the strongest film, like Tenet or something like that. But it's shot beautifully. I, I can't I can't imagine them not winning the best cinematography for this either. Like this seems like a sure fire win. And every time I say that, they don't fucking win. So I don't know. <laughs> I hope so. But I mean, James it's one of those things, you know. Like it's shot beautifully. Like the whole movie shot beautifully. So. And uh, talking about a little bit of the characters, Marco, how did you feel Killian Murphy was playing as Oppenheimer? I know I've kind of given my my take a little bit, but what was your um, perspective on just the portrayal of Oppenheimer in this film with Killian Murphy? He killed it. I like the scene where he's in prison and all of a sudden, you know, the gas comes out and Falcone's hallucin. Oh shit! Wrong movie. Sorry. <laughs> He's the fucking judge. He's in a lot of fucking Nolan movies, isn't he? He's, uh, he is, yeah, he's in like five, five or six, but this is the first one where he's actually the lead role. The lead role, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, he's in at least six of them, I think, according to IMDb. But he did great, dude. Killian Murphy is a super talented actor. Obviously, the first movie I've seen him in is like. 28 days later so ever since then just following his his career you know he man he just and again just becomes the character you you see him as only you know that character and uh i've i've seen like images of oppenheimer before and he he even down to that that stare because killing murphy's got those you know fucking beady eyes you know and he he killed the look there, there's a scene where he looks at the camera, and I think it's the image. If you Google like Oppenheimer, it's that yeah, image. And it's, yeah, yeah it's and I'm like Jesus. Too. Yeah, I'm like yeah. Jesus fucking the Christ. Cigarette in his mouth. Yeah, 
the, I, I don't know how well he studied his mannerisms, but I'm pretty sure he did. But everything down to the way he, he moved, the way he sat, the way he smoked the cigarettes, um, the way the way his, his thought process happened. Stellar performance, dude. Stellar performance. And Mikey, what were your thoughts on Robert Downey Jr.? I know we t- James touched on it a little bit earlier uh, on his portrayal of Louis Strauss. How did you feel his um, being being a Marvel fan amongst the crowd over here? <laughs> how did you feel this uh, transition into kind of going back to the more character actor Robert Downey Jr.? Did you think that is that he's kind of broken that mold and and has kind of come back, or do you think that he should have? Uh, we we need to see more Iron Man. No, I've always liked Robert Downey Jr. Actually, um, like my family always watches the movie The Judge. So, and I That's liked him one. in that movie. Yeah. So, I don't know why my Robert Duvall, right? Yeah, I'm not sure why, but we watch it all the time in my family here. So you're gonna be like kiss, kiss, bang, bang. I'm like, okay, yeah. <laughs> or Chaplin. But anyways, yeah, he does a great job in this movie. The like, I don't quote unquote final scene he's in, I guess, where he's going on like the monologue about like what he did uh to oppenheimer and like and like he's like getting revenge and stuff like that uh that scene is like crazy good in my opinion uh that's, he just, that's the oscar scene James. yeah exactly you know. yeah it's got to be that scene right so yeah he does a really good job and then even in the other scenes like he, he's just got tidbits of uh other scenes that are smaller but even in those scenes he does a an awesome job kind of going through and and uh kind of just being i don't want to say crazy that is but it kind of comes off a little crazy at the end there but he has kind of this really like weird, like intelligent look to him, but he's kind of like thinking the whole time. I don't know if that makes sense or not, but yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's kind of how I so feel like, and he does a great job. Been going on back there, right? Yeah, he's he's, yeah. Got, he's trying to be two steps ahead. He's he's yeah, you not. Can tell he's thinking uh, while he's kind of doing his thing. So he's Tony kind of, Stark kind of trying to take down Captain America. I get it. <laughs> it's kind of crazy how they reveal him. Like he's like a villain, basically. You know, like they. In the beginning, it seems like, oh, he's like, oh, he's just talking about Oppenheimer's experience. And then you, you realize, like, near the third act of the film, I guess, is like, oh, no, he's trying to fuck him over, you know? Yeah. I, I thought that was And it's great. so, and we so talked petty. about it before, but it's really nice, like, how they, they put everything together in the timeline and how the trial works and everything like that. Because it's like, it's almost like the plot twist at the end. And then it, like, double plot twist because then they come back and screw him over a little bit, right? Just because yeah. so like, he embarrassed him. Well done at the end there. Yeah, basically. Or he thinks yeah. he embarrassed him. It's all yeah. it's all ego shit, dude. And then he finds yeah. out he's, a, and then Alden Ehrenreich. By the way, Alden Ehrenreich's in this fucking movie again. Me, Marco, and Nabil have taken a weird Whoa. Alden Ehrenreich fucking yeah. dive in the last couple months. Like, he's in every fucking movie you see, which is weird. He's still young he enough to be in this guy. We're going to see him in more things. He winked at the screen not. twice, bro. And I was like, me? I pointed at myself. I was like, does he know? And he's just like, pointed my, He's like, saw my Coppola shit, Dude, huh? I'm Flamingo. I, and then he went off on a motorcycle. Yeah. Fucking black makeup all around his eyes and shit. Yeah. It made um, sense to me, though. I was like, I get le- it. Le- leather, <laughs> leather jacket. He's, he's a, yeah, he's really good, too, James. I just want to throw out there uh, Alden Ehrenreich. He's, I hope he's in more films. Me, too. I was like, Solo did him yeah. dirty. Yeah, I like Solo. He could like Solo too. So it's like, oh yeah, they're they're doing a Lando thing. Maybe they'll show up. Who knows? But yeah, um, cameo. I I I love how they like. He's a different person behind the door. By the way, like Robert Downey Jr. When he's in the office, he's totally different. He's like talking like mad shit, basically. Dude, public it's different now. And then when he's getting the trial done, he's like really soft spoken and shit. And then it just shows Mm -hmm. you how two faced like politicians are. I I love that, by the way. And basically, Robert Downey Jr. showed that he can act still in this movie, which was awesome. 
I think that was great. There's a lot of characters in this film. We would, you know, I did run down a list of them all. I want to mention again, Josh Hartnett. He needs to be in more parts of the film. <laughs> I don't know where he's been. Strange. Uh, did you watch like, Black Mirror? By the way, he was in a I, one of the more recent episodes. Not see the, yeah. this season yet. No. Oh, Mark. Yeah. That, Mark. Yep. <laughs> Why yeah. Jesus oh, Christ. I was like, that episode reminds me of you. And I was like, it's not good. <laughs> not a good one. He, he, does, he, did, he does incredible too, man. I, I know he took a hiatus for a while, but goddamn. I don't think he took a hiatus. I, I think, think he just did. Did smaller parts. He, just, he was in like a lot of directed DVD movies. Yeah, he was doing some TV. Fuck. I think he was doing a TV show for a little bit too. Was he? We also had Casey Affleck playing a creep, you know, and doing it well. You know, it's very intimidating. One of the few people that was Dude. able to intimidate Oppenheimer. And Dude, really, when like, they show him, him, why did mm-hmm. I get goosebumps? I was like, oh, fuck, <laughs> the fuck out. right? Dude, he was such a Kool Aid drinking piece of shit. Yeah, uh, he played it well. I was like, God damn, yeah, very, damn. very straight. And he was he. What other Nolan film was he in? By the way, this is not his first time working with Nolan. Casey Affleck. Yeah. Huh. He did something sure. else with Christopher Nolan. I'm fucking certain, dude. Was Go he in, was he in Interstellar? Was he yes. his son? Yes, he's his son. He's the son. Yeah. Yeah. There he is. There, yeah. He's worked with him before. That's why there I was like, go. wait. When I saw it, I was almost at first. I was like, oh, he's never worked with him. I was like, wait, no, he's the son. That's like, I'm not gonna yeah, call you anymore. Son. Like, he, he gave up yeah. on her. Like, he's like, you're not coming back. Yeah. 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 And Chalamet played him when he was young. See, look at that. He did. Yeah. Oh shit! He, you are you are correct again. Yeah. Yeah, yep, there we go. Wow. That's where he's from. I, I, I was thinking, but I was like, where the fuck was it? <laughs> By the way, uh, Dane DeHaan, holy fuck, haven't seen him in a movie in a while. Yeah, where's he been, huh? After he lost the Harry Osborn role, they were like, <laughs> he's like, hey, Spider Man. So, also playing a POS. He still looks really young to me, though. I will say this much. Like, I know he's, I think he's actually older than me, but. I know he's supposed to be playing like a colonel, like an older one. I'm like I, that one. The mm-hmm. age difference for me, I was like, this guy looks too young. So you can say it. I think he's Marco's age. I think he's Marco's age, actually. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, Benny Safty, uh, love that dude too. He's a director, obviously. He's part of the Safty brothers. You know, Safety he did, did some really good movies. I love that he's still acting, which is cool because I think in good time he's he's great as the uh, handicap brother in that one too. Yeah. Mm. And David Desmolshian is literally in every fucking Nolan movie, right? So yeah, throwing him in, and I think that's that's fun. We have Kenneth Branagh always trying to do an accent in the film, so it you know works. he looks. It works for this one. I yeah. thought he was gonna I'll, have a bigger I'll, role, I'll, by the way. I, usually he does. You know, I mean, he did in Dunkirk. So. I'm like, I'm like, we have like Rami Malek. Yeah, <laughs> Rami Malek just kind of in the film until the end. Dude, I was actually James talking to me weird eyes again. I was talking to Mikey about Remy Malik. Like when I watched the movie, I was like, "Did he say anything yet?" Like, he's just <laughs> holding a fucking pamphlet. And he knocks it out. I'm like, "That's kind of mean." Yeah. So and then he's at the end, and I was like, "Okay, I, get, I mean, I guess." And he says that's his little piece, have- and then I was like, "All right, that's where they." He was a real me. one. He was a fucking real Dude, one. He was I like, it. "Nah, fuck this." He's like, "Nah, fuck this guy." I love that scene too. I was like, "Nice." Um, going to some of the, the bigger supporting characters, before we go on to the le- lovely ladies of the film, uh, we have Matt Damon as, uh, what is he? Mm, uh, Nabil. Nabil. He's General Gross. I knew, I knew Marco Damon. didn't like the way he said his name, by the way. I know, I know. I wanted you to correct me, Marco. For this, so. I wanted to correct me. Oh, what did you oh. think about him, Marco? Matt Damon? Yeah. 
Oh, I, I said it in the movie theater as soon as I saw him. <laughs> People chuckled. He he did great. He actually he he promised his wife he'd take a hiatus in films unless Christopher Nolan called him, and uh, Chris Nolan called him, and so he had to break the hiatus on films to go do this one. I thought that was pretty cool because he wanted to be in a Nolan film, and uh, it shows he he did good, man. He was um he was in um Interstellar though too, man. So he was. He was. Forgets about that part. He's the yeah, asshole. He yeah. was, but I mean, si- since then, like he wanted to take a break and stuff. Unless I guess that's why he wanted to be in another Nolan film. I would too, man. Truthfully, seems like um, most people like to work with him, so it's kind of yeah, yeah. yeah. That's a good sign. But uh, he <laughs> he he was hilarious, man. He was just he was straight talker, you know. Um, Very passionate. And he, yeah, and he 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 played it well. What can I say about Matt Damon, man? Other than he he did well, dude. I li- I like him. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, M- Mikey, what about your thoughts on we have you know we have two, I, I guess kind of lead actresses or supporting actresses. We've got Florence Pugh playing the uh, we'll call her the the temptation lady on the side there, Jean Tatluck, who loves to hate him, uh, and then we have his wife, Catherine Kitty Oppenheimer. Um, played by Emily Blunt. How did you think the the females were portrayed in this film? As far as like um, Oppenheimer's, you know, did you feel that they were there as support? Did you think they really gave them a chance to be their own characters? Like, how do you do? You think that there was any um, a lot of value brought to having the two characters in here? Um, yeah, what did you think about them? Well, I mean, in terms of of value, um, you know, in terms of like supporting characters and everything i really think florence her character really was more plot related right it's like he visits her and there's like outcomes that uh like the government doesn't like and that kind of stuff and it kind of actually puts him in a bad tone and that kind of stuff so she fixed in that role here and then i thought emily blunt um kitty um she has that one scene in the trial that is like really good where she's like stepping up her game as far as like, she almost like fakes them out a little bit. Right. And then comes up with some like great answers. She wants circles around him scene. And, Mm -hmm. and that really assists Oppenheimer in that moment, I guess. So like there's less of it in the whole movie. um, Whereas, you know, Florence kind of does that throughout the whole movie a little bit more. Um, But she has that really one moment that kind of like helps out um, him in his like trial. Yeah. And I, I agree. I think that like, especially Emily Blunt's character, I was, I really liked that she was, I, I don't know, I'm, I'm not sure exactly to what extent like Kitty Oppenheimer's persona was, but I liked that she was kind of playing against the norm. Like she was her own person. She was divorced. Mm-hmm. They had a kid together and they could not raise a child, you know, and it was all very honest about it. You know, she's, and then even at the end of the, when we were going through the trial stuff, like she was, she's a fighter. She's like looking it up and her like, what the fuck are you rolling over for? You should be fighting. And he's like, this is not what I want to live my life. And like you said, the fake out at the end, like she played a very strong character. And I don't think a lot of people could have played it as well as Emily Blunt did. Um, and every time I kind of saw her, I liked that little bit of where she wasn't playing as, you know, some kind of damsel in distress or something like that, or some kind of lady that's just way there waiting for her husband. She was, she was there um, kind of right at it with Oppenheimer when, when brought mm-hmm. into the fold. She knows what's going on, right? Like she yeah. obviously like knows that he's going around and I mean, he it yeah. assumes that not a he's sleeping around yeah. a lot, a lot of yeah. times and she's like, okay, not really okay it. with it, but she knows it. 
Um, and then she still sticks with him though. So she gave she's him a still pass. a really like deep character and like she has a lot going on and it doesn't actually like come out and tell you all this stuff here. You can just kind of see it portrayed in some of the scenes that she has, even though they're really small, not that many around. So because it wasn't just uh, Florence that he was with, right? There's like no, another, was, uh, yeah. it's yeah. hinted that lady from the beginning, in which he he's yeah. like, yeah, but and he's so casual about talking about it. Yeah, she's, yeah. But she, his, he's like, her husband never found out. I was like, yeah, hmm? yeah, because he said he died of a broken heart, and he's like, no, he didn't. That's a lie. I I, I agree with Mikey though. Flor- um, Emily Blunt, she was a fucking G man. I liked her character, and just like Mikey said, I liked that you know she was her own person, and despite Oppenheimer's flaws and you know fucked up shit, she still backed him up. Didn't like what they were doing to him, you know, because they'd known each other for so long. But yeah, Emily Blunt, damn, she does so well too. Glad she was in this movie. Lovely surprise because I didn't even know. Uh, and I agree about Florence Pugh, the affair in the movie. I think she actually knew who Oppenheimer was, also, and she kind of like in a way even told him that that she like understood him especially like his more like political leanings as well too she kind of shared the same views as he did and the scene where he finds out that she fucking died like i think it's probably like a standout scene for me like just it's it's a it's a fucked up scene because i mean he's breaking down in front of his wife but like nolan just filmed it so well it's such an uncomfortable and heartbreaking scene at the same time and it well, kind of hints that maybe she got killed too, right? Maybe. Yeah, like, yeah. Maybe. that's what I was gonna say. Do we do we know like that it was a suicide? What did you think about like that kind of visualization of it could have been maybe a suicide? But you know, she also had some communist views, and I think it's his, out. his guilt thinking that maybe he killed her in a that's way in some yeah, way. She's dead because that. of him. James, any any scenes in particular that really stood out for you that you felt like? Um, yeah, I mean, there's was a, worth there's, the IMAX 70 millimeter. The entire three hour runtime, tell you the truth. The scene where people are stomping their feet and shit. Uh huh. After the bomb. Why did I think that was a train leading up, like, for the last year? Too. Yeah. It, yeah. <laughs> I was like, is that a train? Oh, no. It's just a slow building of people slamming their feet at their little weird fucking thing. I think that, and then he's like, you know, he can't hear. It, and I think that scene really stands out. It shows you the horrors of him realizing what happened and what it, what it means, really. That the Einstein scene is great at the end. I love that scene too, where he just tells him really what's up. And there, there's, there's a lot. There's like, like I'm not lying. There, there's many scenes that stand out to me in this movie. So it's um the, the that one I think, and obviously the explosion that was fucking awesome. That was cool how they're all prepping and my man Benny Safdie's just throwing on that fucking fucking salve all over his fucking face, looking like a psychopath, <laughs> taking care of himself. There's a lot of fucking people in this movie, dude. Even mm-hmm. the president, they're fucking, uh, what's his face? Gary Oldman. Gary Oldman. He plays uh, fucking Foghorn Leghorn. I mean, uh, mm-hmm. fucking. Foghorn Leghorn. <laughs> Someone gave him so a sissy after my job. <laughs> so fucked up. He says, whenever let, whatever let that sissy back in here, which apparently was a real quote. Is that what you said? That's yeah, crazy. apparently it was a real quote. Don't ever let that sissy back in here again. I was like, no, like, cry baby. I was cry like, baby, yeah. hey, dude, that's fucked up, dude. I was like, yikes. And he's like, I mean, I say, I say. Gary Oldman does a good job of playing an asshole, though. Like, it, it kind of reminded me of a I Zorg. Mean, I hear he's kind of an asshole sometimes, but yeah. Hey, I mean, hey, but I mean, like, that's. We've scene, reviewed Bram Stoker's Dracula. We understand. <laughs> we <laughs> that scene, <laughs> I feel like. I can relax. You know, <laughs> op, uh, he's the same he's, guy. He's the same guy. Oh, I mean, we're not a writer or friends now, okay? Fucking chill. Oh, shit. 
I think that scene where Oppenheimer's like having the conversation with him and trying to, to express, you know, his his blood dread his and concern. And yeah, the blood on his yeah. like let's be real, from Truman's position, it's it is he's the one who's being remembered for dropping the bomb. Like Truman or Oppenheimer, regardless of what um they did to build that bomb, like he whatever happened, it wasn't his call. You know, right, it was going to be the president's. He did it. If anybody's got blood on his hands, it's him. It's war. That's how he's looking at it. So yeah, he's kind of going on like, get out of you know what the fuck are you talking about? But like, he he was more talking about just actually like the regret right. of actually making right. it because I guess no, I agree. In, in I his agree. mind, he would think that they would just point the gun, you know, not actually fire it, you know. Yeah, you know, but that's, I mean that's, that's naive, right? And that's going there to build a bomb, yeah. like. They're gonna use a weapon, but that, yeah, that's, that shows how naive he was about that part. Is like, dude, if mm-hmm. you if you make the bomb, they're they're gonna use it. It's not like they're not gonna it's use wild, it. It's wild, like when they're picking out the shots. Place James, by the way, James yeah. Remar fucking is in this movie too <laughs> randomly. Yeah. By the way, if oh, everybody shit. forgot about that shit, I was like, is that fucking is that fucking Raiden from the Mortal Kombat? <laughs> yeah. So, so and he's like, literally doesn't pick a site because he's like, yeah, we we uh, had our honeymoon there, and I was like, Jesus Christ, it's a beautiful dude. place. No. Saved like fucking you know a hundred thousand people. Marco, was there anything that you would have wanted to see more of in this film, or do you feel like three hours is enough? Uh, you know, truthfully, even though it was. Three hours. It didn't feel like a three-hour movie to me. It. I. I think the the pacing was really well. Uh, the story keeps you interested. It keeps you uh, on the edge of your seat. You, you want to see how the how the things unfold. If there's anything I wanted to see more of. No, really, not so much. I mean, I, I guess they could have gone, you know, more into like the aftermath of of everything. But I mean, it, it gets really depressing after that. I mean, as as if some yeah. of the sad shit wasn't, you know, bad enough already. But um, that's almost an understatement. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Maybe. Uh. Maybe on a more extended shot of the explosion. That's about it. Um. I Super thought it was. I thought more. it was great. But I mean, I, I just I wanted that to linger even just a little bit more. Just because it was a yeah. big like moment, you know, when they first like detonate uh, a nuclear <laughs> yeah. device. So, but I guess when all you're right. using practical excess, that's all you can get. So, <laughs> which is awesome though. They yeah, yeah, it did great then. for what we saw. Yeah, yeah, a lot of camera tricks. Absolutely, yeah, definitely. movie magic. All right, so let's talk about our star ratings of this film. I'll start with you, Mikey. What did you rate this film out of five stars? Uh, five stars. Uh, it's the, like I, was, I said it before in the very beginning, it's the best movie this year. Fantastic acting all the way around. Powerful scenes. Kept me drawn in the whole movie, even though it's three hours long. I uh, don't see too much wrong with this movie. It's really good. Definitely yeah. must watch, in my opinion. How about you, James? What did you rate this film? I give this one five out of five as well. I think this is one of the best movies of the year. Uh, one of Chris Nolan's best. And um, yeah, like I said, it, it's, it's one of those movies that even after the movie was done, I, I I think we just sat there for a little bit like, fuck, man, this is a pretty heavy film. So uh, I, I do actually want to see it again. So I do want to either take my dad yeah. to see it or somehow watch because I know uh, Nolan, if, if you're thinking about trying to wait for VOD, he, he spreads his movies out pretty thin, uh, far, guys. So I don't think yeah, this is coming out until like close to the end of the year. So um, while it's in theaters, I, th- I think you should probably make the uh, trip to go see it. So And Marco, how many stars from you? 
Five stars also. I, I agree with James. Uh, go see this in theaters. Go see it on the biggest screen you can, of course. If if you can, uh, then go do so. But even if you staring can't, just... right at Mar- I'm staying right at Nabil. I love it. Mar- yeah. <laughs> then, yeah. Then, <laughs> if not, just go see it in theaters, man. Don't don't wait for VOD. It's a it's a disservice to yourself and to to the men of work. Also, I didn't get to give my Barbie rating because my computer cracked out. So I give that one also five stars. Um, and I also gave this a five star. So I think this is the first time all of us, now with Mikey as well, gave one film just all five stars. Now we, you know, this film, like James kind of said at the top, was being touted on social media as like the double feature event of our lifetime. So Funny. you know, we had, yeah. <laughs> so we had two films. Obviously, we reviewed Barbie and Oppenheimer, aka Barbenheimer. Let me ask you guys. Um, let's go. Let's go with our, our our new guy, Mikey. Here, since you've actually seen both of the films, obviously, what do you think was the best order? Do you think it was Barbie first and Oppenheimer, or were you looking at it the other way? Mm, I would see Oppenheimer first, and that's just because uh, it's kind of heavy. I think the Barbie would kind of lift uh, the feeling up a little bit, so I'd probably do that, that Oppenheimer then Barbie. Yeah, did you do a double feature, or was or did you guys spread this out? No, uh, me and James went on. A, I think it was a Thursday for the yeah. seventy millimeter version, and then I saw Barbie on that Saturday. I believe it was. So, and if you uh, if you had to choose between just one of the films, uh, just one, one? Uh, it would yeah. be Oppenheimer. It's like I said, it's the best movie this year. Uh, I can't not pick it. So, yeah. How about you, James? Uh, it sounds like you probably didn't do a double feature. Obviously, you saw Barbie twice, but did you yeah, see him no, back to I back? Yeah, no, I saw um, Oppenheimer Thursday night, Barbie Friday night, and then also Barbie Sunday night, a week and a half later, I guess, technically. Yeah. So, do, you, um, do you like that viewing order, or would you have wanted to watch Barbie <laughs> No, first? don't fucking watch Barbie twice because of fucking Peter. <laughs> no, I actually think you should see Barbie first and then Oppenheimer, maybe, because yeah. I always think you should dwell on the heavier shit afterwards. Maybe give yourself a chance to sit with it. Maybe because it's kind of weird. I thought it was kind of weird, at least for our viewing of it. We saw Oppenheimer, then it's ends so fucking horrifically. Then you just walk out of the theater shell shocked, and then like the next day, I'm like, now I'm here to see Barbie. Right? <laughs> it's like fuck, dude. So I don't know. Either way, really works. But um, I don't know. It's called Barbenheimer. So I, I looked at it as like maybe Barbie goes first, <laughs> Oppenheimer goes second. But I but well once again I watched it the other way so obviously it still worked for me because I still like both movies quite a bit mm-hmm. so and if you could recommend just one if you had no choice but to watch one or the oh, other it'd be Oppenheimer hands down I think uh, especially yeah. just even just from a like a film person's perspective of of how this movie was made I, this is incredible this does not happen a yeah. lot and just like Marco said uh, I I feel like Christopher Nolan is one of the last auteurs of using film like in yep. this in this way. So I think this is something very special. So, yeah. how about you, Marco? How did you see this? Did you see them back to back, or did you give us some space? I uh, gave it space, not on purpose, but because both films are selling out in theaters. So, um, I saw Oppenheimer in on on a Thursday, and then Barbie on a Saturday, and I went with my brother and niece on. Thursday and then Saturday, it was me, my mom, my brother, my niece, took my son, and we all dressed up. So it was awesome. Oh, cool. I, I think that it, it's interchangeable, too. I think the order, we you don't have to see it Oppenheimer first and Barbie last. Even though Barbie is a little more um, 
uh, high spirited. It's still there's still some existentialism in it. So I think like yeah. both movies you can kind of dwell on. So pick your poison. See when you feel like watching a three hour movie and when you feel like watching a two hour one. So um, sure. either way is fine. <laughs> I think whichever you watch first. And if you could only recommend just one, I'll be odd man out and say Barbie. I I I'm I love Christopher Nolan. I would actually say both. Uh, but go go check out Barbie just because I, I know it's uh, receiving a lot of hate. So check it out. Go outside your comfort zone. You know, doesn't deserve hate um, either. Honestly, no. Yeah, check it's it. Internet hate. It's yeah, exactly. It's got a great cast too. Great director. Yeah, it's you know, again. In the both movies are killing a box office. So yeah, regardless, yeah. people have seen both. So it's not like these. Yeah, movies. exactly. If anything, you should go see Honey Mansion because it's true. <laughs> yeah i mean i saw them back to back i watched oppenheimer first and then barbie the same day we did the double feature thing nice um yeah spent the sunday decided to why not it was hot out here Fuck. Uh, i did 26 <laughs> heat index humidity didn't want to fucking be inside or that outside makes, that makes sense know. that makes sense yeah. yeah so um yeah we had a good time with that but I will say the order we did was Oppenheimer and then Barbie, and I agree with what you said, James. I would want Poppy Oppenheimer afterwards because I want that time to sit with it. Because we kind of finished the film, we're like, I really don't want to see Barbie. Now. <laughs> yeah, like, especially really if you go back wanna... to back, I can only imagine yeah. that's got to be weird, dude. So we we were definitely wanted to have some time to really sit with that film. Barbie was fine. I mean, I, I think. Um, I think that it just would have been better to see it first because of that. Just so we had that time to, I don't think you had to sit that much with it. It was more like a realizing what the state of the world is now from, from Barbie perspective. Um, and then Oppenheimer saying like, you know, what the yeah, hell? I, I mean, been it doing? goes in, immediately into a Nicki Minaj, I spy song. Right. So, <laughs> I mean, that's, that's like, okay, I'll just dance. Just dance. The world is not um, okay. Let's dance. <laughs> yeah. When that was playing, I was like, mm, okay, I guess it's okay. Yeah. Open armor though, I'm just sitting there just like shell shocked like Nolan makes Man. you stare at the screen. <laughs> Dude, Nolan makes me feel like I was like, Am I a piece of shit? Right? <laughs> like <laughs> for the whole ending credits, you know nothing's gonna happen. We almost fucking did. Me and Mikey almost also because that theater is so fucking small. Like uh mm-hmm. not like like the seats are tiny as fuck in there. I was like, I'm just gonna wait till yeah. you walk by. Yeah. yeah. And I would recommend Oppenheimer as the film if you're gonna watch only one, just for that same reason. Like it's just a technical masterpiece. Um, and definitely the probably one of the best films of the decade, definitely for the year. So, once again, thank you everybody for um, listening to the podcast. Thank you, Mikey, joining us here, becoming our fourth member after I think we've been doing it for six years, actually. (laughs) Yeah, that's that. So, we we took this expansion pack, right? So, in a way, so uh, Marco, let them know how they can uh, reach us. (laughs) <laughs> listen and follow us on your favorite podcast service trust us we're on all of them for a quick link to all our socials visit linktree slash moviepalspod thank you make sure to smash that subscribe button so you never miss an episode or another expansion pack <laughs> and make sure to also stay tuned for our next episode episode number one five six where we will be revealing our new segment in more detail as well as reviewing the last voyage of the Dementor. Thank you to Bill. Until next time, this is James. And Marco. And to Bill. And Mikey. Have a great one.